I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. James Bond. This never happened to the other fellow. For your eyes only, darling. Whoever she was must have scared the living daylights out of her. What of you? Hello, and welcome back to For Your Ears Only. This is Optimism Vaccine's premier James Bond podcast, wherein we discuss all things James Bond leading up to the release of the new Bond film, No Time to Die. I'm Jake Tropila, joined as always by Jack Eason. Jack, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to be back. Yeah, good to be back. Now, listeners or regulars to the show might know that uh, we actually wrapped with all the canonical Bond films a couple months ago, actually. Uh, we did Spectre, and uh, we were anticipating the release of No Time to Die. Uh, sure enough, it has been since delayed again. Uh, the new release date is, uh, I believe, October 8th, the first week of October. So as we uh, patiently await the new Bond film, we thought, uh, why not continue this series and do a, do a few spin-offs and oddballs and things that might only be tangentially uh, connected to Bond, but not necessarily Bond films specifically. Uh, sounded like a great idea at the time, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'm beginning to wonder if maybe we're going to regret this. <laughs> <laughs> this this could be our last episode. We don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, so one of the uh, films that we kept returning to in our planning was a film called OK Connery, uh, which was released in the U.S. Uh, called as Operation Kid Brother. Uh, it was released in 1967. It's an Italian joint production with United Artists, and it stars Sean Connery's younger brother, Neil Connery as the lead uh and essentially this felt like it was going to be uh him getting his own keys to a franchise as well and uh this thing crashed and burned horribly when it was released and nobody knows about it or talks about it or has even seen it um jack were you familiar at all with okay connery before we started talking bond films no, no, this was one of these weird oddities that just kind of swam into view as reading more about just Bond mania generally. Yeah. For anyone who's listening here, you know, you heard that right. This is literally the the conceit of this film is that they hired Sean Connery's brother to be in the movie. If you're wondering, oh, I didn't know Sean Connery's brother was an actor. He isn't. He's just <laughs> Sean Connery's brother. He sounded like Sean Connery, which makes sense because he's his brother. Uh, and that originally attracted producers to be like, hey, maybe we can utilize this. He's dubbed in the entire film. Everyone in this movie is dubbed because it's Italian. Yeah, that that is insane. Uh, there's a lot of things wrong with this movie, but everything can sort of be traced down to the uh, the charisma-free performance of one Neil Connery and his horrendous choice of facial hair. Um, th- yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is. Go ahead. Certainly, I just I would just say you know uh, no no knocks to Neil Connery. I'm you know maybe he's a very nice guy, but I, you know it must be tough when your brother is Sean Connery. Um, but you know when they were handing out charisma in the family, Sean got all the charisma. I don't know unless they've got like some other sibling who's super cool too but like literally it took me a while to realize 
<laughs> if people want to realize who the star of the movie was, there's this one dude with like a little fucking shitty beard who keeps showing up. And at a certain point, I was like, that's probably Neil Connery. Yeah, so I thought <laughs> I had to I was confused. I had to actually pause and Google him. So I was as I was certain who it was, because I actually thought the uh, we first like see this agent uh, in this opening is this guy driving a car. I think his name's like Agent Ward. Um, he is like a very handsome gentleman. He's got, you know, his hair is neatly parted to the side. He's got a dashing smile. I thought this was our hero. Um, but he's immediately killed with the use of a, he's actually flying a plane and he's actually killed with the use of a remote control automobile, which crashes into him as his plane lands. Um, and so that basically he's, he's kind of what kicks off the film is that his death causes the agency uh, SIS to to bring Neil Connery's character in action. But yeah, I was confused as to who the lead was. And I'm like, oh, it's this terrible dubbed guy who's like a plank of wood standing upright. This this can't be right. But yeah, sure enough. No, I'm, and it never, never gets better. I mean, he just like he's not even the lead of the film. Like there's always someone with him on screen at every time, at like every point, helping prop up the movie to keep it moving. Um. Yeah, it's it's not a great start. The other thing we should mention, I guess, you know, is they hired Neil Connery. So what they also did was they hired a bunch of other oh actors from the James Bond movies. Yeah, if you have a, you can can we do a rundown of the people? Because this genuinely surprised me. I was like, I know who all these people are. This is bizarre. Yeah, I was. So the poster has Neil Connery. It has Daniela Bianchi, who played Tatiana Romanova in uh, from. For uh, from Russia with Love, one of the best films in the series. Um, she's the leading lady, uh, so they got her. They got Aldolfo Celli, who played Largo in Thunderball. He's the uh, the lead villain, and I just thought, oh, okay, well, that's you know, they happen to just cast these two. They're Italian actors, great. Uh, no, they actually got in more than that. They ha- we have Bernard Lee, the original M is here basically he's basically playing m again in in the in this film so they they've got him aboard they have lois maxwell as money penny she's another she's kind of like money penny but she's she does a lot more field stuff i guess she just meets the agents in the field it's really unclear it's it's funny yeah she has more screen time as a field agent she also reportedly said herself she earned more money she was paid more for this movie than for her entire stint as money penny in all the other films combined which is a bit depressing but whatever yeah and and then it's also it also has uh anthony dawson who plays the doomed professor dent in dr no uh he's like the blofeld figure behind the uh the the terrorist organization which is called Thanatos, sure, uh, and all not? I could all I could think of was uh, Theranos, the failed blood test corporation, <laughs> which is decidedly more sinister, to be honest. Yeah. Um. So and then he's in it, and then also um one of the other uh, actresses is an actress named uh, Yi Wa Yang. She was an extra in uh, You Only Live Twice. So what? yeah, Neil Connery's brother plus six James Bond proper alumni all on the screen and it, like the money and also this is this movie is scored by Ennio Morricone arguably the greatest composer to have ever worked and yet nobody knows this film it is uh, yeah. it is it's such a failure Morricone is the only guy who's like really bringing because I think Morricone just couldn't help himself like the score on this is uh, like the only pulse yeah. this film has I think you'd agree 
I yes, yeah, so we so yeah, our listeners they did hear the uh, a bit of the title track at the top. It starts. There's no gun barrel or anything in that. There's no pre-title sequence. There's just opening credits over uh, sailors just on a ship, and it's got this like very yeah pulsating uh, Ennio Morricone song where the the lyrics are just. It's just this woman going, okay, Connery, over and over again. She's belting it out. And like, yeah. it co- quali- like it's it's kind of a promising, like it's something at least. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give him that. It's the first thing, and I, because you watched this before, a day before I did, and then you were like, oh no, this is unwatchable. And I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> and then, but then like the first song comes around, I'm like, okay, I can, I can work with this, but there's still an hour and 40 minutes to go. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, so the Ennio Morricone's, I think we should issue an apology to uh, 1967's Casino Royale, where, again, the only good thing about that movie was Burt Baccarat's score. How, how on earth is it that, that this that Casino Royale, the awful, awful <laughs> Casino Royale, isn't the worst Bond ripoff of 1967? How did this happen? We surpassed it, incredibly enough, with our oh. first with our first spin-off. Oh my god, that's incredible. Uh, and, and really, I don't take this as any kind of a defense of uh, 67's Casino Royale. That film is absolutely just torturous. But this is... I, I guess my, my, my main issue with this film is... Okay, so it stars Sean Connery's brother... It has all these other people who are known for James Bond movies, but it's not a James Bond movie. It knows that right off the right. top. Everyone knows that. Everyone sitting into this knows it's not a real James Bond movie. So we could assume it's probably a comedy. Like, the whole premise of this is ridiculous. Um, the the ship that the, you know, there's a ship pulls up into the harbor in the opening sequence and they play over the, 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 the opening mm-hmm. song plays over. It's full of, like, these women, like, beautiful women in, like, this kind of, like, comedically, you know, crop top sailor outfits, you know, revealing sailor outfits. So, like, it's very comedic, like, Austin Powers kind of yeah. spoof kind of a thing. I'm like, this is a comedy. This is, this must be funny, you know, like, nothing's landed yet, but you know, this must be what they're going for. This movie, there's there are no jokes in this film. It's not a comedy at all, as far as I can tell from from watching it. There are like more author jokes in an actual James Bond movie. There's more levity in your standard like hell, like License to Kill has more jokes in it than this thing. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, there's no jokes, and then all, it's just completely charmless too. Um, like. Connery is Sean Connery. We're, we're, we have to call this guy Neil because I don't want to I don't want to sully the name Connery. <laughs> Sean Connery is a marvelous actor. When he's Bond, he's charming. He's suave. He does a lot of things with his face. Uh, he's very charismatic on screen. You love watching him. Neil Connery has the same stern expression through this entire runtime, he doesn't. He doesn't think. You know, he doesn't. None, none, none of him is witty. He has no charm at all. He is just a boring, dull. He looks like a supervillain, but he <laughs> he's just. It, he's like a. He's a terrible screen presence, which is insane because of the because of the legacy that his brother has essentially created is that of based on charisma. But yeah, he's he's terrible yeah it, it's worth mentioning sean connery did not endorse this film he was actually i believe asked if he wanted a cameo in it, and he was like absolutely not so um yeah because you know, that would have been a bridge too far uh yeah I, I mean it's it really comes down to 
So okay, so it's, it looks like it's going to be a comedy, and then it really isn't. It's just kind of it's zany, but not in a really zany way. It's zany in the way that Bond movies tend to be a little bit zany, and that they have like there's hypnosis, and there's like someone with a bury. Like it turns out, one of the big things is that like they're trying to hunt down this woman because she knows information, but she doesn't know she knows that it. it was implanted through deep hypnosis, and they've got to travel around and and do a bunch of stuff you know it's 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 like it, that's really kind of like a bondish plot that's not outlandish within the realms of james bond cinema they have to right. do something more and they don't it's really it just it kind of it's just a bad bond movie this is a really bad bond movie with a really boring dude in the lead role and like really everyone is like supporting him he just looks mildly bewildered to be there at any point and so lois maxwell or bernard lee or someone else just comes in and kind of like like almost assists him through each scene it's it is really difficult to keep up with this film and then it has all its like plot twists and stuff which none of which really matter or stick in any way and you're just like you just feel like you're you're lost because this guy is lost it's just a really kind of a pitiful film experience yeah. it's just sort of depressing to sit through yeah yeah it's yeah you just kind of i kind of just felt bad watching it because this i don't think he really worked much after this as an actor uh neil connery who who is still alive by the way he's he's eight years uh sean connery's junior um looks like he was in two other films one of them is called the body stealers where he plays jim radford and then he's in a movie called aces go places three as a guy named mr bond yeah he shows uh, which up is in a hong kong it's a Sui Hark movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like but, he shows uh, up in like the, in this classic Hong Kong thing, but like in the mode of like a James Bond lookalike, which this like this his entire presence here should have been like one cutaway gag. He's he can't support the entire film. It's a no, really yeah, that's, terrible decision. He was a plasterer by trade, and apparently he lost his job <laughs> as a plasterer because he forgot his tools or lost them or they were stolen oh or God. something. And he this can't made, even be a plasterer. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's terrible. This dude, this dude should have been making uh. the sets for a film. He shouldn't have been in front of the camera. So anyway, he he lost his tools apparently, and he got fired. And this made some degree of headlines around the world because he's Sean Connery's brother. Like the whole thing only exists because he's famous brother. And anyway, this got him some notice, and they decided the yeah, idea I some just ingenious Italian director. I mean, this is the height of Italian rip-off cinema. This is where they were ripping off Jaws and The Exorcist and everything. Actually, I guess this is a little before it, but like the, the same methodology carried through into the 70s. The spaghetti western, the pasta exploitation films, etc. etc. Right. Just, you know, any if it was popular in America, you could just make it for way less in Italy and sell it as a sequel. Just slap a two on the end and then who will you know, their lawyers would have to know about it to sue you. So, you know, it's all good. And this was a, a tried and trusted industry in Italy for, for decades. Um this this is clearly some producer was like, eh, hell, it might work. So they, they gave it a go. I don't think it didn't work. This is the only one of these they did. Um, their other Bond-adjacent spy movies, Euro spy movies, did not avail of Neil Connery skills. And I believe afterwards Neil Connery went back to being a plasterer. I think he set up his own business, though. He, he became he became a, business, a small business owner. And, you know, good work to him because clearly... He's not he's not intended for for this kind of acting job. This is just not his his deal at all. There's um no 
Yeah, and, and you know, beyond that, this movie is sort of like, uh, are there gadgets? I'm like, I watched this movie literally three days ago, and it is already like, like every second of it, like just went straight in through my eyes and just violently exited out the back of my head, like a, an exit wound, just escaping. Just like my brain <laughs> refused to even acknowledge this film was happening. It's and it's not because it's like screamingly awful. It is just boring and just ordinary you know it's like i say it's not zany enough to be a bond parody it's not competent enough to be a an actual bond or a spy movie so you're just left just kind of sitting through it until it it ends eventually yeah it's it's just it's very drab it's not a very nicely shot film even like when a bond film is is bad it, it looks great this one is just just very dull all over um and i i wanted to say you mentioned famous brothers i think i think frank stallone should be saying thank you to neil connery for not making him the most embarrassing famous brother in hollywood um, oh yeah, but, yeah yeah absolutely this this legitimates a good chunk of frank stallone's uh soundtrack work at least <laughs> i still can't get over the fact they hired him because he sounds like sean connery for a movie and that he's, would be he's entirely dubbed. post-dubbed like and they knew that that all the movies in Italy at that era are post-dub. They knew it would happen. <laughs> yeah, so and level also, the Bond films themselves are marvels of dubbing work. Like, Gert Frobe in Goldfinger is dubbed almost, like, 99% of his lines are dubbed in that film. But it's it's still a good, credible performance like the dubbing it hampers neil completely he's already just so stilted on screen but then somebody else's voice coming out of his mouth it just makes him look like a, a like a computer's uh like a 1960s computer's image of what a human man talks like <laughs> it's just so bad he's, he's practically a gadget himself based on yeah. his peculiarity it should be noted apparently the issue was that he was going to ADR himself. So I guess I should give uh, some credit. They they knew this mm. was going to come up ahead of time. The plan originally would be that he would dub himself, but then he got sick. <laughs> the the classic, classic Neil Connery. He got yeah. sick in the aftermath of the shooting and he wasn't available to dub himself. So in the version that that we watched, which is, is currently streaming like Amazon Prime, um, oh yeah! If if you want if you want to take a look, I don't recommend it. Like we did the work for you, you don't have to do this to yourself. But right. he has an American accent uh, in the dub that we that, that we saw, which seems peculiar in and of itself. But I like. Do they even mention British intelligence in this? I can't remember if there's an MI six element to it. I think they do, but it's sort of downplayed yeah. a lot. So there's SIS, which is a British intelligence wing. Um, so that's that's the going into the plot of this little. Yeah, the, there's this agent that's murdered in the opening. He is part of SIS. He was actually meeting Agent Maxwell, who is Lois Maxwell, uh, in the field, and uh, they dis- they discover that his girlfriend, who is uh, the uh, Yi Wa Yang, the Japanese actress, she ha- knows maybe some secrets that he had that he was trying to deliver. And she is the patient of Neil Connery's character, whose name in the film is Dr. Neil Connery. He doesn't even have a... He's like... To, to keep I don't things know if simple. This is, to yeah. me, okay, to, to be fair, that to me is maybe the only joke in the whole film, right? Because James Bond is like a spy, but he just goes, shows up everywhere and just like, here's my name. 
just lays yeah. it straight out. So in a way, calling a James Bond ripoff, just the name of the actor feels like a joke, kind of. This is like, I'm really trying to ring it out. That's the best I can do. I was like, literally, as the movie wrapped up, I was like, did anything that happened here seem like it was humorous? Uh, and that's the best I could come up with is the fact that like, everyone just keeps their own names. And particularly for James Bond, as the guy who's like, how does how does he keep you know just like checking into places of James Bond and it's not a problem? You think they'd at least slap him on the wrist, but anyway, that's for the main franchise. So that that's the best I've got. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't, do you remember? Did you laugh at anything here? No, no I did. I certainly <laughs> did not. I was I was just kind of like, wait, his name is just Neil Connery in the film. Yeah, let's see. He uh, he, he at least gets to be a doctor, a plastic surgeon in this movie, rather than being a, a plasterer, which honestly would have been funnier as well if they just done that. But uh, yeah, so so be it. so so James Bond is famous for you know having a, a set of skills. Uh, here are some of the skills that uh, Neil Connery. Uh, has as Dr. Neil Connery in this film. Uh, you mentioned he is, yes, a, a plastic surgeon, um, which uh, comes into play during the climax of this movie. Uh, he's also, uh, he, he's very good at uh, lip reading. Um, if anybody whispers something in the corner of a room, he can immediately point at you and call you out what you said. And they, they'll ask, well, how did you hear me? And he says, I didn't hear you. I'm very good at lip reading. <laughs> which, which, again... Connery. Again, yeah, just one of the lamest gifts a person could have. Uh, but most importantly, he is like, and this goes into his medical practice. He is a skilled user of hypnosis, and his hypnosis is him putting his fingers together and then just staring sternly into your soul, and that just like stupefies you into doing whatever he wants you to do. Like his first scene is him doing this demonstration on how the hypnosis works with the the Japanese girlfriend of the agent and then these guys come in and start a fight and like the press that's there like starts fighting and karate chopping with these guys who try to sabotage the event and then one guy starts to fight Neil Connery and Neil Connery puts his fingers together and stares at the guy and he just dies like he hypnotizes <laughs> him into just dying and he's, and he's like, they're like, oh, my God, you've killed him. He's like, yes, I'm afraid so. Apparently, the, the move I used was is very fatal. Like, he knew what he was doing, but it's just so two, dumb. Two things to, to take from this experience. Firstly, again, should have been a villain, if nothing else, between his, his facial hair and killing a man with his mind. That's very much villain techniques rather than, you know, working for Queen and Crown. And then secondly, yeah. on top of that, just to reiterate, th if this man stares intently at you, it's not interesting or enrapturing, and it won't be on film either. It's just, a, like, of all the things to give this man as a gift, hypnosis is maybe the greatest stretch of all, uh, frankly. Uh, really fascinating decision, but also, I guess it plays into the fact that, honestly, he's not an action man. Uh, he's not the action sequences have a real, like, 60s Batman feel, but maybe a little rougher around the edge than even that, frankly. Yeah. Uh, and Neil Connery says he's not really... You know, Sean did a few of his own stunts. Uh, Neil, I don't think, did. He probably he did his own stunts because they involved standing places. Um, and that's pretty much it. So I guess staring at guys and them just dying is, is the best you can do. He also does a spot of archery. Um, that's another... Thing he indulges in and that's I said about it um 
I'm just like it's like think back on this film what little of it I can remember like we don't have any we don't really have gadgets do we have we don't have like a car no. we there's uh, no gadgets there's no vehicle there's there's just his like set of skills and it, apparently like those are the those are what they need they need his hypnosis to uh to you know have the girl recall the agent's secrets uh with total recall is what what he keeps saying over and over again that he can do right. um but yeah yeah there's nothing there's no cue. There's nothing memorably exciting about the mission itself. You, yeah, our listeners may be wondering. So uh, you mentioned SIS, British, uh, some kind of British intelligence organization. Why do they keep a plastic surgeon on staff? Well, they don't, you see. Uh, Neil Connery does not work for SIS. He is strong-armed into working for them because he has the set of skills that they, they absolutely require. And he doesn't want to do it, but he has to. And again, it's, you know, it just sort of, again, just falls into the, the trap. <laughs> I just, if I look at Neil Connor, we're like, I'll find someone else. It'll be fine. Uh, you know, yeah. we've got to have someone else on, on staff. How thinly staffed must they be that Neil Connery is like the guy they need for the job? Yeah. So, yeah, and the job in particular concerns, we mentioned terrorist organization Thanatos, uh, run by Professor Dent, uh, uh, Anthony Dawson. Uh, whose name in this film uh, is he's oh he's just he's alpha and uh, his right hand man is is beta played by largo that one became a little bit funny in you know present parlance of alpha and beta males but of course in this one in in a great plot twist beta comes out on top so that's true take that to heart yeah so i i'm like i'm just so lost on the particulars of what anything is happening in this movie but I the, don't think the, anyone knows. The general gist is that they're just trying to make a giant magnet to disrupt the world's supply of mechanical objects. That's right. They're gonna they're gonna do a magnet, and it will it will shut down every mechanical. And like it's not an electromagnet. It's, it's it sounds like it's an actual just like regular magnet. I know there's overlap there, but it just seems weird that they seem. It's like a pinky in the brain plot. To, to build a ginormous magnet and suck the moon into the earth and or shut down everything. It literally might as well just be a giant like red magnet with the gray tips like you see in a, yeah. in a cartoon. That's that's basically it. And the plot in- involves them uh, trying to steal like a, uh, a like a thermal nucleus out of a, a bomb. And also it involves uh, like these blind carpet makers who are weaving uranium into the fabric that they cannot see because they're blind, but that certainly cannot be good for their health that they're doing it. Um, it no, is it's the it, next radium girl story really is going to be that. Yeah. Those guys are going to have some health health impacts down the line. Which does lead to uh, uh, just a thigh-slappingly hilarious sequence where Dr. Neil Connery pretends to be a blind man so he can go undercover in this factory um uh, but again this is not like it, it like it seems like it would be a joke in like a leslie nielsen movie but like it's just <laughs> played so straight here that it just it falls flat and like he's even he's even like t- talking in like just a stereotypical arabic accent um it's it's just so bad and and you you can, you can just kind of like sense the producers are off screen like oh we we've got something here like you know sean connery <laughs> better watch out because this is also like the year that um, after you only live twice came out, like Connery stepped away from being Bond, 
And uh, like Neil, we could have been stuck with Neil Connery for the rest of the franchise. And I'm I believe just so... he was offered because I, I believe the Italian producer snagged him up on a contract and then offered him back to Eon. Yeah. Chances are, like, I guess, why not? And they very sensibly told him no, obviously. All you have to do is look at this movie and realize that's not happening. Yeah, it's I'm I'm very thankful that that did not come to fruition. But um yeah, so uh that's I mean that's that's really the whole film. There's there's um <laughs> like Beta, you know, outsmarts Alpha and he becomes the top dog. There's like they they have we see like these specter-ish boardroom meetings um which are uh, w- like which involve like if somebody messes up um like everybody has these glasses of water that they drink in front of them and if you're like the person who messed up yours is actually the one that's poisoned uh but they do this whole ruse where you have to shoot yourself with a gun but then you know it turns out the guns don't have bullets in them it's just all for show because when one guy one underling tries to shoot alpha his gun is unloaded and then he dies from the poison that he just drank again very convoluted that they like thought all of this out ahead of time um but yeah, there's like a poison switch later on where Beta uh, like becomes the top dog. and Which again, sounds like it would be a, you know, all this sounds like, oh, it's a joke with the convoluted James Bondishness. But like, honestly, it's all presented with this kind of unerring seriousness that makes it sound like it's just like a regular Bond movie. Like right. Bond movies would inject more levity into this. Yeah, it, yeah, it's and even even the villains in a Bond film can be, you know, very like charming and memorable in their roguishness. But uh, yeah, there's... There, uh, there's none of that here. Um, I, no, I'm, no, not at all. I'm just, I'm really just kind of browsing through my. I don't have. <laughs> do you have anything I think, positive to say about the movie? I think the production design on it isn't awful. I mean, it, it yeah. has. They, they did, they did trade around the world. Like, what, what kind of stuns me about this is like, honestly, they spent money on this, which is like the one thing Italian cinema was reluctant to do. Mostly was actually spend money. Uh, and this mm-hmm. is this is the film, one of the films they decided like it's worth putting you know putting the money into. They flow, they they fly to like I think they go to Monaco and Mexico, and they've got a couple other locations they they visit. Um, it it, it has that globe hopping feel a little bit. It's not quite as spectacular as an actual Bond film, certainly. Um, costuming and stuff. There's a few. I mean, the the sexy sailor outfits are like that's pretty. That's kind of like a joke, kind of kind of, of kitschy, kind of fun, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, it's kind of like fun, but yeah, I mean, this film is honestly, I know, I keep just harping on like it's just such a dud. It, it it's really difficult to sit through, and it's it's an hour and forty three minutes long or so. It really like it's not even like a tight yeah. eighty or ninety minutes. Um, yeah, it it really it, it asks a lot of its audience to sit through it, and. Um, Honestly, for for it, I'm kind of like, you know, I, even at the end of the movie, I think there's, you know, the, the women, the, the sexy sailors uh, keep, who keep reemerging. Honestly, I don't fully remember how they fit into the storyline, who owns the boat even. But um, they, they like start, uh, you know, kind of an uprising themselves and fend for themselves, I think, um, which would seem interesting, except honestly, I don't even remember why they do it at this point. The, the film is just this absolute mishmash of plot development and exposition, of which you know none of it matters. You know, it doesn't, you know, at a certain point you realize that for better or for worse, Neil Connery is the good guy and Beta is the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, you know that's, and that's all you 
ever really need to know, but they just keep talking. There's so much talking in this film. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm trying to think even what the big action set pieces in this film are. Like, There's a couple of big punch-ups, which all are really kind of boring and basic. Um, not much of a special effects budget. Um, they do blow up. They have a self-driving car, which funnily enough, I think there isn't there a self-driving car in Casino Royale as well, the 67 one? I think they do some gags with that. Um, with, with someone stuck in a car and it drives for like a milk float or something. I have vague recollections of these things happening. Yeah. So we, we get a, we get an automated car in this one as well. That's like, a, that's like the only set piece really that's sticking with me is they uh, a car crashing into a plane and a big explosion. They have like one of the other big set pieces is an archery contest and I think they cut that short. You're like, I was expecting like a whole thing where Neil Connery would face off against Beta and they, you know, match wits at like shooting arrows and they don't. <laughs> it's just sort of the, the competition wraps up and they just sort of like go, okay, I'll meet you for dinner. Um, yeah. Compelling cinema. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I can. Yeah, they, they do bring out like bows and arrows become like a like the magnet is essentially turned on like in the last act of the film. And so like uh, a lot of the weaponry because they can't fire guns anymore. So then people just resort to shooting bows and arrows at each other so that those are there's a lot of archery in play. Yeah, with with the great question, most bows use like a composite bow in this thing. I'm not sure if that's going to be fully magnet proof, but I guess. Yeah, why not? Um, you, yeah, yeah, and that and that those sequences. That's true because <laughs> the magnet turns off. There's a bunch of guys just like walking through the forest with flamethrowers for no reason, and they're not like hitting anyone. There's just like in the background of multiple shots, just some dude with a flamethrower because they obviously had access to it. And flamethrowers are inherently very cinematic, right? Uh, yeah. So they stick him mostly in the background of shots, and he's just like hitting no one. Just this big flame torch going off into the distance. And again, obviously, no metal used there somehow. Um, yeah, just uh, uh, the set pieces of this are really just people running, running around in the woods to the most, part, and then in a cave they have like a, a secret base in a like somewhat subterranean. Yeah, the, like where the yeah, where like the final showdown with uh, Neil and Beta is like is like just them playing like you know with with they each have a bow and an arrow and they both fired at each other and uh, Neil actually gets a shot in the arm but uh, Beta is shot in the heart and he dies. Um, so that's that, right. Yeah, we have like a high noon staging with bow yeah, and arrow, with bow which and arrow. sounds better than it is here. Frankly, like honestly, as as you recall certain elements, it's kind of like. Oh, that sounds like it would be interesting. None of it sticks. Like, none of this is in any way elevated. No. And by the time you get around to two men standing at opposing ends of a room pointing arrows at each other, you will be so fed up, you will not give a crap what happens next. I wish Neil Connery had died, too. That's, <laughs> that would have been... You could do something with that. You could be like, well, you know, we suckered him into being a secret agent and he died, and now the world of plastic surgery is, has great loss yeah um, so we lost yeah. the one doctor who's hypnosis and not anesthesia when he performs his, <laughs> when he makes his, his surgeries he was, i imagine he uses the hypnosis to talk his patients into even accepting that as a like a regular process like do you imagine just showing up in a room and there's just this very boring guy who just looks like someone's dad just like yeah we're gonna do surgery and we're not gonna use any painkillers or anything i'm just gonna stare at you for a while and that will be that. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh God, um, there's. I just recall there's <laughs> this other 
like so the like the the sailor bikini girls there's also one scene where i guess they had to hijack a vehicle that might have uh like some of the supplies that thanatos is looking for so like they stage themselves as nuns broken down at the side of the road then they all pull out like just these uh these little dart guns from their sleeves and they kill all the That's soldiers right. on board then they like disguise this gave me like casino royale 67 flashbacks where like they disguise the vehicle as like this gaudy traveling gambling machine before they just ride off victorious into the sunset and it's like a really lengthy process of like them putting all the panels onto the truck before it's like to prepare it uh i don't know it's, it's just, like the a team or some shit like they're customizing yeah. the vehicle but like for a joke that's not a, even funny no like, it, there's no payoff no not at all it's like a real gambling machine i guess the, the house always wins on this one it will give no laughs to anyone yeah yeah and then so yeah we mentioned that uh yeah there's a there's a bow and arrow shoot off um it, at the end i think that is the old like we we didn't we're not really going to do our regular segments uh in this episode so but i think if we were running death counts i think that's only the second person who neil connery kills he kills a guy who attended his own seminar with hypnotism and he shoots beta with a bow and arrow <laughs> that is the he that is the most deadly he becomes it's true he's not a very deadly character but then again considering you and i barely made it through this one perhaps he's the most bone chilling bond of them all <laughs> it's true he's the one bond you don't want to spend any more time with because you you're yeah. afraid he'll use his hypnosis on you with his his stern gaze yeah, it's like metatextually i might die from boredom at some point in this film and that would be one for him yeah oh god um i mean yeah is there anything else like I just, like no, just looking at my notes. Yeah, like, I, I think we're gonna gotta wrap this one up early because frankly, like I I just cannot impress on you enough. This is this seems funny. This sounded funny to you and me when we found out about this movie. We were like, oh hell yeah, let's this we have to. It's an Italian movie starring Sean Connery's brother. That's hilarious. This thing's gonna suck probably, and it's gonna be really funny. And unfortunately, they sank enough money into it that it doesn't really suck in the way we would hoped. And instead, it's just kind of like just stably boring throughout. It's like watching a car idling for nearly two hours and then just taps out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just uh, I can't even. This is the worst film we've talked about in this entire stretch of things. There's nothing yeah. comes close. Even Casino Royale is scatological and chaotic to a point where at least a few parts of it i was like this is interesting there's yeah. nothing in this thing will will give you any pleasure whatsoever so right yeah yeah <laughs> i i will say there is another shot that came to mind as like being good but again it's just it's just so fleeting and all this mess it's i believe it's where they go to mexico or wherever they there's the bullfight arena but like the camera is like panning across uh, the sunrise uh, and then it quickly turns and does like this snap zoom into the middle of a bullfighting arena where uh, Neil Connery and like four others are walking through the middle of it and I, I can just appreciate the you know the the scope of that shot where you know you have to plan your actors to be miles away uh, or you know however many yards away for the camera to track them perfectly to that shot it's so i did appreciate that moment <laughs> in the sure. in the rest of this so it's but uh yeah it's it's too little yeah it's it's got that like i mean it's an italian movie from the 60s so like it's got that production quality you know like, even when they didn't have money they had skilled crews mm -hmm. um 
it's it's got that it's got a little more money than those so it's got like more interesting places to shoot it's just there's no pulse like it feels like everyone making the film just didn't understand why they were making it um you know and obviously the joke of like it's a bond ripoff is sort of like i don't know if it was a note that just came in that's like hey maybe it feels like the whole thing is like hey let's let's make a bond ripoff but let's try and keep it as pretty close to a Bond movie just in case people take us seriously and maybe if Sean Connery is leaving, just in case we might be able to, like, wedge ourselves into the franchise somehow because we have, like, Neil Connery under contract or whatever. Like, let's let's not make it a raucous comedy. Uh, this is the, the only way I could think of to explain how this film is so incredibly flat and... On feels unfinished it feels like i mean a lot of these films feel like they were written over a weekend but this feels like it was written over a longer period of time to like flatten it out and work out you know as plot and stuff but there's no jokes there's nothing to punch it up there's no reason for anything to happen and um, i guess they spent all the money giving lois maxwell and bernard lee parts rather than on like big set pieces or action stuff there's nothing much else happening just yeah tremendously dull just really really dull yeah and and then it ends with uh you know after the day is saved uh, bernard lee tries to get uh, neil connery to uh to work with uh, with him at sis but then neil connery does his famous hypnosis act and uh <laughs> and bernard lee like i don't know if he's just <laughs> hypnotized or if he's just like terrified of working with him so he just kind of <laughs> he just kind of shuffles away and lets like bond right off on a yacht with uh with daniela bianchi um, but yeah, that's, that's how the movie ends. Uh, yeah. Beautiful, and and there is nothing in the credits that says that that Neil Connery will return. No, uh, they weren't gonna they weren't gonna make that promise. Thankfully, that would have turned into a horror film. Yeah, this was the the it ended as soon as it began for Neil Connery. But um, <laughs> yeah, I I would say that about does it. I don't. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, not not. I think we we have a few other films planned in this uh, bond exploitation, uh, riffs and spin-offs kind of thing. I I don't think anything else has to be better than this, right? It's gotta uh, be. Yeah, I think this. You know, we're we're gonna be ascending from from here on out. So uh, we I think we have some some good things to look forward to. Um, but uh, I appreciate I appreciate our audience. Uh, if you did, you know, stick through this you know through the whole series and i appreciate it if you did listen all the way through this episode um yeah so hopefully we got some good times ahead uh jack do you want to plug your social media if the piece people want to if the neil connery defenders want to reach out to you and tell you how wrong you are uh where, where can people find you if neil connery's mom is still alive and just is very offended by what i said about her boy you can reach me at twitter at real jack eason or e-a-l-j-a-c-k-e-a-s-o-n I'm on Twitter entirely too much. Shoot me a message. Tell me what I got wrong. Remind me of things that happened in the film. I'll have forgotten even more by the time you hear this. So yeah, that's that's way to way to reach me. Yeah, and uh, I'm at uh, Jake Tropila on all things. That's a J A K E T R O P I L A. More importantly, follow our uh, Optimism Vaccine account. We're just at Optimism Vaccine on Twitter. You can also email us at optimismvaccine at gmail dot com. Uh, if I, I mean, this could be an exciting time. If you have any movies you'd like to suggest as a James Bond uh, oddity or spinoff that we should uh, check out and that you would uh, happily love to hear us discuss, uh, please, you know, let us know. We would, uh, we'll hear you out. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I think that about uh, does that for this episode. The For Your Ears Only podcast will return with something else. Yeah.